This is Thank You Heartbreak. Hi, everyone. I'm Chelsea Lee Trescott. As a breakup coach, relationship advice columnist, and the founder of Break Upward, Chelsea is passionate about human beings and their stories. She talks to people about their journeys in love, growth, heartbreak, revelations, and every wound and lesson along the way. This podcast shines a light on heartbreak, showing you that the most crushing experiences are also your greatest opportunity to become meaningful, relatable human beings. Now, let's get to the heart of it. Hi, everyone. This is Chelsea Lee Truscott, breakup coach and podcast host of Thank You Heartbreak, and this is episode 47 with Beth Barrett. Before I get into today's episode, I just want to remind you for the rest of December, the discount for any of my services, including e-coaching, which I love to see people taking advantage of, is Thank You X on my website, breakupward.com slash shop. You can check out immediately, instantly, easily from my site. And again, the discount code is Thank You X. Beth is really the first person to come on this podcast that I have read and been like, oh my god, I need to get to her immediately and she needs to come on Thank You Heartbreak. So it was so exciting for me when I got a yes from her. I felt like it was a star that was coming on to Thank You Heartbreak. The first time I came across her name was in an article in Psychology Today. Thank goodness I carry around some of the older issues and I was reading it. It was, again, an older issue, but timing is amazing. Listen to this. Her article was called Coming Home to Nest, and the reason that it really took me is because of my deep, deep, serious, not a guilty pleasure love for reality TV, specifically Bravo's Real Housewives. Now, in particular, I first heard about nesting, which was actually not called nesting. It was called Casita on the Real House of Orange County. One of the recent housewives, Gina, was separating from her husband and called what they were doing pre-divorce the Casita. And that was her one-bedroom home that her and her soon-to-be ex-husband were transferring out of as they went from their home where the kids were and where they were going to stay in. Okay, I'm not describing this well. Okay, let's start over. So there's the house that you and your spouse have as a home with your children, and you're going to get a divorce. Now, instead of going and getting two new homes and transferring, I'm sorry to use that word, but transferring your kids from one house to the next on weekends or what have you, instead, what the casita living, aka nesting is, is when you keep the family home and you keep the children in that home, and instead, you get an additional apartment maybe two apartments in Beth's case and in the Real Housewives case it was just an additional apartment and when you or your soon-to-be ex isn't with the kids at your family home you are in and staying at this other home location. Beth found out about this practice through a book called It Doesn't Have to Be That Way. She read it in the New York Times and was like this could work for me. Now she didn't know how long it would work for her but it has worked for over five years and I reached out 
out to her because it was kind of all the buzz after The Real Housewives aired. And again, they were calling it the Casita because that was that one bedroom apartment. But it was so cool when I read Beth's article and then went online and started researching it and then went out into the real world and talked about it and had people go, oh yeah, nesting. So they knew about it. So it's so amazing to have Beth come on and talk about it. She's also written in the New York Times about it. The article for the New York Times was a little bit of a more touchy name than just coming home to nest. It was a little bit more controversial, let's just put it that way. The article for the New York Times is called After Divorce, Giving Our Kids Custody of the Home. So as you can imagine, people have a real reaction to doing this. I was fortunate enough to have Beth answer every single question that I had and they were just kind of flowing right out of me. And in addition to this being a conversation about an alternative post-divorce or while you're transitioning, it's also about parenting. I was able to ask her a lot of questions about parenting and you know it just so happens to be a conversation that fascinates me and excites me and and thanks to guests like Beth I feel like wow this podcast is just really informing my future practices and roles hopefully as a mom and I think that I'll probably always be able to look back on this podcast and think of conversations like this as being really educational and really nourishing and something that just got me engaged with people that I feel so fortunate that I get the privilege really of talking to. Without further ado, let's get into this. And when you listen to this conversation, keep in mind how you can put this into practice when you are preparing for the holidays. In other words, maybe this year is time to have everyone at one household experiencing the holidays together. Thanks so much for being here and for listening. So I would love for you to introduce yourself to my audience. My name is Beth Barrent, and I am a freelance writer and a mother to three boys and also the founder of FamilyNesting.org, where I talk about how our family does something um, called nesting that my husband and I have been divorced, my ex-husband and I, for about five years, but the boys have stayed in our family home that whole time, and he and I move in and out to take care of them. I cannot wait to talk about this. I already let you know, but what really drew me in is that I'm going to do a shout out to the Real Housewives of the OC since I'm (laughs) a serious viewer. And Sophie is doing the same thing, but she called it Casita because that's what like her little house was. So it just began buzzing about, of course, since it's on Bravo, everyone's talking about the Casita effect. And then I read your article and I'm like, it's called nesting. This is Mm -hmm. unbelievable. Hmm. Where do we even begin with this? One thing I have to say is I know that there's been a reaction Mm -hmm. to doing this, and I would love to get into that. But I guess starting off is how did it come to you? You're getting a divorce, and are you guys talking about the plan? Yeah, we we hadn't decided for sure that we were getting divorced, but I... You know, it was getting close and I thought it was the most likely thing. It's it's what I wanted to happen. But my biggest worry was the kids. And it really was just this kind of serendipitous thing that I was reading the New York Times one Sunday morning and there was a little book review of a book called It Doesn't Have to Be That Way, written by Laura Wasser, who's a 
celebrity divorce attorney out in LA. Um, and in the book review, it just mentioned that, you know, it was kind of a new approach to being more collaborative, not ruining your family, not going broke in the process. And so I thought, oh, that sounds interesting because I looked around in the library a bit in the bookstores at divorce stuff. And it was all very just, oh, here's how the legal aspect works, or here's how your children are going to be traumatized and what you'll have to do to help them recover from it. And it was all just kind of depressing to me. Um, but this book seemed like it would be more about the positives. So I got it. And then as I was reading it, it talked about different ways of co-parenting. And that's where I first read the mention of nesting. And um, and she described it as, you know, clients in California having essentially, it sounded like, you know, three houses or maybe two houses and the parents moving in and out. But just to hear that something about the idea that I could keep the kids in their home you know, where all their memories were, where things would feel pretty normal for them, hopefully, that that just sparked the idea of, you know, even if we're not, you know, celebrities in California, maybe we can figure this out here somehow. Does she know that you were so moved by it and so influenced by it? I wrote an article about it for the New York Times a year or so ago, and I mentioned the book in that. And then I sent that to her. I don't you know, know her at all. I just looked up what her work email was and I sent it to her and um, she wrote a very nice response. And then she does have a website that's kind of divorce prep stuff. And she asked me to write about it there on her website too. So there's a little blog post there about it. So yeah, I definitely wanted to let her know that it was impacting, you know, just kind of average Americans too. <laughs> and, um, and in a really positive you know, wonderful way for my family. Well, it just took the inevitable. Like you said, it sounds like it's the inevitable trauma that's going to happen to the kids. And when that happens, you put them into therapy. It's like telling you inevitably. Mm-hmm. And this just changes that entirely. Yeah, I really, um, you know, I didn't know for sure. And certainly it was traumatic to tell them we were getting divorced, even though we'd been separated for a little bit. So they knew you know, I was trying to be open with them the whole time, but actually sitting down and telling them we were getting divorced. The oldest one was just 12 at the time. So he was the most, you know, aware of what that meant and the most upset. But just sitting down, we sat down, Bill and I together at the dining room table to tell them. And he immediately began to cry, my oldest son. And um, then his other brother started to cry because they were you know, upset that he was upset. But it sounds like I'm making this up. But I swear, as soon as I looked at them and I said, but guys, you know what? You're going to stay here in the house. And dad and I are just going to keep doing like what we've been doing as we've been separated, moving in and out. And you're going to keep seeing us the same amount and you're going to stay here. Nothing's going to change for you. And they really did like immediately, you know, like swallow back their tears. And the oldest was saying, what, really? Because they only knew, you know, friends who were divorced, that they were moving back and forth between two houses. And I think it was comforting to them. What do you feel like is the reason behind the tears when it comes to the idea of being kind of transported back and forth? Mm-hmm. Well, I think hmm, I think the word divorce is just scary, you know, to everybody and to kids. And I think it's the um, probably just the unknown. You know, I don't know if they were really thinking so far ahead to think about, oh, that means I'm going to have to transport my stuff back and forth. But I think it was just the idea of some big change was coming to their lives. And, you know, change scares everybody, but it particularly scares children. And um, I was seeing, you know, a therapist during that time. And she, when I told her that I was going to tell the kids, she advised that I should immediately address, you know, what it was going to mean for them, because she said, that's what kids 
their big fear is the unknown. And so if you can tell them right away some factual thing that's explained to them how it's going to affect them, that that will help calm them down. So I think it was just really, you know, more the unknown than really them imagining what the future might be. Right. It's something that has hit me when I've seen, you know, children that are being going back and forth. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, how are they able to compartmentalize their separate lives and knowing at such a young age to not bring this conversation into the other home? Mm -hmm. And I was like, maybe this is a strength learning to compartmentalize, Mm -hmm. but maybe it's something like you like numb out. It just Mm -hmm. fascinates me, but it scares me at the same time. And I feel like this method takes that away. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point um, that compartmentalization, I mean, I think we all, you know, are going to have to have that at some point in our lives. um, And they will at some point as they grow up and have relationships and complications and, you know, lots of different things going on in their lives. I just felt like, like that's going to happen to them eventually. They're going to have some difficult times and I didn't want to be the source of that if I could help it. Wow. You know how like sometimes like after a divorce, some people, you know, they want the new house, the energy has to be cleared, you know, it has to be a whole new chapter. How does it feel to go back and forth into like the energy of your ex-husband's space? No, that's a good question. Um, Now it's fine, you know, (laughs) five years later. It was hard at first. For sure. And I can get that. Um, You know, I think it probably depends on the divorce and the people, of course. For me, I really did enjoy coming to the apartment that we decided to rent initially. Initially, we rented just a one bedroom apartment and we would take turns living in it when we weren't in the house. And I love being in the house with the kids, but it was kind of hard to be around his stuff, you know, and, um, but then I I had that kind of freeing moments when I would come to the apartment and feel like, oh, okay, you know, now here's where I can kind of regroup. And so it is great to have that separation. I know that it was hard for him to come into the apartment, even though I wasn't here, he felt like he couldn't get away from me either. It was either, you know, in the house or it was here at this apartment, which felt more like mine for whatever reason. So after about six months, he found his own place And I think that was really beneficial to him and to me to really feel like we did each have our separate spaces. And so, yeah, it was hard, but at least it wasn't hard on the kids. It was hard for us, but... It's so interesting because you're saying about like going back to the apartment and it was your separate space. I'm like, wait a second. It was not separate though. It was still (laughs) like, it was still our space and... Yes and no, you know, I mean, he wasn't here at the same time, but, um, but yeah, certainly the day that he decided to get his own apartment and, you know, moved into totally separate space and this apartment, which I actually still live in. So I'm talking about it in the present tense. Um, then it felt totally mine. And that was a wonderful Right. Because as I'm like listening to this, it almost seems like in terms of compartmentalizing things, it's almost like I I imagine at least that the experience of sharing this apartment originally, like you have to compartmentalize like because Mm -hmm. in order to like lay in the bed or to like be in the kitchen, you have to think of it as just yours and not think about like the traces of them and what they're doing and what they're thinking while they're there. Yeah, that's true. And, um, and it is a challenge, but I kept you know, thinking, well, what's the alternative? (laughs) And that's making the kids move back and forth and um, they have to do all the adjusting. And so... Did you feel like you were going to be that sort of parent? Because it seems like a very... It's like a highly evolved, and and people might not agree, but a highly evolved, selfless parent that thinks, okay, this is our choice. We are choosing to do this. And instead of making, I know this is a big word, making the kids suffer, what isn't their choice, we're going to take on the burden. Right. I mean, (laughs) I don't know. 
know I was full of self-doubt the whole, you know, the whole time. And I still, um, you know, I don't think I'm any more highly evolved parent than anybody else. I just was lucky enough to stumble across this idea. And fortunately, Bill was supportive of it from the beginning. So even when we've had contentious times, we've worked together. Um, but I definitely just that, you know, getting divorced, you can't help but feel guilty about what you're doing yeah. to your kids, even though we were you know, trying to make it as low impact as possible. Um, and I can remember talking to my best friend, you know, probably, gosh, it was probably a year after we'd been divorced. And I can't remember what was happening. You know, one of my kids was having some social issue at school or something. I mean, not a huge deal, but I was saying something to her about, um, well, you know, I still feel like I've just, you know, let them down with this divorce. And she, um, you know, as best friends do, got mad at me. You know, and was like, Beth, you have totally, you've done this nesting thing and put them first for a whole year. And I know how hard it's been for you and you shouldn't be doubting yourself. So, you know, it's, it's good to have friends who talk you down from those moments sometimes. You're so funny you just have a friend that gets mad at you. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. Well, you know, it's a good friend. <laughs> so what is your remark to, because I feel like part of the judgment would be like, you've allowed your kids to run your life. Oh, that's interesting. Um, hmm. Yeah, I know. I did get some comments like that on that New York Times piece. And it did really, it surprised me because um, you're, you're right. I did put them first through this as much as I could. But I mean, that's just part of parenting. It's interesting because I, I think what happened is like your article, that perspective goes with this whole idea of millennials being so entitled. Yeah. So it's kind of in, in looking like, oh, the parents allowed their kids to feel so special. So I think mm -hmm. it kind of falls into that bucket that people hate, like the the haters that, you know, yeah. are going to go there about it. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um but I guess I don't, you know, I don't feel, I guess, especially because I know how we live and obviously these people reading the article, there was a lot of imagining that, you know, we're super wealthy and. That was my next question. <laughs> anyway, and we're not. And so I know my kids are not spoiled. You know, I mean, they're like just regular kids and they take out the garbage and, you know, mow the lawn and, and yes, we've given them this and I put them first, but they also aren't, I'm trying to think how to say this, um, that I still sound like a good mother. They aren't the center of my life. I mean, the center of my life is myself and I can't be a good mother to them unless I'm really feeling good about myself. And mm -hmm. so even though this house thing was going on, a lot of my energy had, after the divorce and, and as the divorce was being decided was into figuring out what I needed and wanted in my life. Were so you always that way when you were up against a transition in life, you know, prior to the divorce that you would kind of pull back and think about how you needed to be internally? Or was there a, was there a catalyst for that as well, that shift? Oh, you know, I think it's a gradual thing um, as often the really big changes are that I mean, we were married for 18 years. And so just kind of during that time, as you, as I got older, as I had more experiences in work and with the children and, you know, just learn more about myself, there just became points where, I mean, I can't think of like a specific point, but eventually I realized, you know, that I was actually a really smart, strong person and I could make this divorce happen the way I wanted it to. And do the best for my kids that I possibly could. Mm. I think the effort to do it differently is the best move too. I like that too. Thanks. And that's really the main message I would like to get out to other families thinking about divorce is that you don't have to do it like our parents' generation did. I mean, it doesn't have to be that it's super 
contentious forever. You know, it might be for a while. It doesn't have to be that the kids only see the dad occasionally. And I think still here in the Midwest, certainly where I live, that the just go-to thing people do is that the mom takes over the main work of raising the kids. The dad, you know, kind of takes a back seat in divorce situations. And, um, and, you know, I think there's a shift culturally of parents wanting to parent together. And I think this is, you know, a possibility for a lot of people if, um, if they just consider it. Let me ask you, I don't know if this exists, but is there something like co-parenting counseling? You know, I don't know. Not that I have run across yet. Should we start something? Well, sure. Yeah. (laughs) This could be a big market and need. Yeah, you know, that's a great idea. Let's talk more about that. Um, Because I think yeah, that that would could be really helpful to people. And I think the thing about this nesting idea is, frankly, I mean, I when I went into it, I don't know that I would have said, oh, yeah, this is going to last for five years. For me, it was sort of a, well, let's try it out for a while, get the kids through, you know, the first stages. And I think for some families, maybe that is what would make sense is you just do it for, you know, a couple of years. But it's funny, I've met a few people just, you know, online from the stuff I've written and just recently talked to two different couples. And they're both like 15 years into doing this. They decided to keep doing it till the kids were out of college, you know? And so I think it just um, depends on the family, but, um, but it can really be done a lot of different ways. Right. And the question I have to ask, mm-hmm. like, I thought of it immediately. I have to ask this question is what happens when you either are living with someone else or are married again? Mm-hmm. Do they come with you into the new house? Like, what do you, how do you have that conversation? Yeah, yeah. no, that's, uh, that's uh, question everybody has. Um, And we haven't gotten to the point where either of us are married to somebody else, but we both have been dating people seriously for a few years. And so it's certainly, I can't speak for Bill and his partner, but um, I have certainly thought about it and have talked some with my boyfriend that even if we were to get traditionally serious and, and live together, that I could still come into the house and be with my kids, you know, every other week. And he wouldn't have to move in with me, you know, it could still kind of that schedule. And but that depends on, of course, the other person person you're dating, how comfortable they are with the situation. And I'm fortunate to be in a relationship with somebody who's very supportive of it. I don't know. Um, I've heard of people, you know, kind of (laughs) having a spouse in that. How I don't know, I'm not sure how it would work. Like if Bill were to get married, that would probably change things. Because right. I can't and imagine one, that a new wife would want me coming in every other week. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you paid for the housekeeper. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing how one decision, you know, kind of sets you up that your partner would have to be comfortable with it too. It's kind of like, this is the thing about you, you know, yeah. at least for right now. It's not forever necessarily. And and, you know, that was interesting to me as, as I was dating how people, and I would bring it up, you know, on the very first date, because I certainly wanted to get a sense of if that man, you know, would even be open to that idea, because I had no intention of changing it just because I was dating somebody. Um, the only way I would change it is if Bill and I communicated together and felt, you know, that it was best for the whole family or best for the kids to go ahead and, and make the change to it. Mm-hmm. And hopefully a new partner, you know, would respect that commitment that I have to my kids or that Bill has to his. You know, I think the fact that you're a published New York Times author about this subject might give you a lot of credibility and respect. Well, <laughs> well, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> 
I have a question. Do you feel like any part of you with this, it puts going further with a relationship on hold because you don't know how that would be yet? Yeah, maybe so. Um, but I feel okay with that. Right. Now. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Exactly. No, it's not. And and I think, yeah, that there might be a point where it does seem like it's holding back something else in my life. But so far, I haven't reached that stage. Mm, that's nice. I have yeah. never asked someone this question, but when you said that you were married 18 years, my mind immediately went to, what was your other longest relationship? Hmm. Oh, God. Um, maybe like... Uh, trying to think college boyfriend was a year and a half. Okay, like how does this happen? <laughs> how do you go from a year to 18 years? Yeah, plus we actually, we dated for five years before we got married. Oh my so gosh. We've been together since I was 22, so for a very long time. Um, Incredible. You know, I don't know if maybe in a way that's what made the nesting I want to say easier, but maybe it made it work because we know each other so well that even though there's no romantic feelings anymore, there's still, you know, this respect and love and understanding of where the other person's coming from, which probably, you know, every married couple has, you would hope. But um, after that long together, it's just kind of second nature. Uh, I like that. I like that you're not like disrupting the second nature aspect because I do think it can be like almost instinctual to love and care about this person that you've been with for so long, especially if they haven't done anything, you know, abusive or anything that has destroyed their integrity and all that. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, thanks. Yeah. Um, And I think that actually, I sometimes wonder if the nesting actually, um, I think it has, I think it's helped our relationship because I think if we had been going to the traditional, you know, between two houses things, and you know, there've certainly been times where we have been very mad at each other or upset with each other. And if we'd been in the two houses, it would have been just, you know, I would have pulled in the driveway, picked up the kids, driven to my house, ignored him for a week. But with this situation, you know, you just, you can't help, but you're going to cross paths with each other. The kids are there. You need, you know, you want to be civil in front of the kids and you just kind of have to get over stuff faster. And that's good. I love this. It should be a reality show. (laughs) Something because you're so right. It's so easy just to pull into the driveway, honk the horn, kids come outside and you back out. Yeah. Yeah. You wave goodbye, you know? Yeah. It's just that. And I think it's just so important, if possible, for the kids to see that there's a relationship that's still there, that, you know, it's really not all or nothing. Right. Yeah. I do think that is really important. And of course, people can do that being in the two different households, but it's been really, that's evolved nicely for us over these past five years is spending time with the kids together, the two of us, and, um, and that that's a comfortable thing now. And I think it's great for the kids to see just, you know, oh, oh, you know what? Mom's here. She's going to stay for dinner. I love that. Really? Yeah. You know, or like I'm going to go over tomorrow and we're decorating the Christmas tree and, you know, it's not my day in the house, but we're just going to, you know, that's what we do every year. So do you feel like you're coming home when you get there? You know, I do. It's fine. This almost strikes me every single time is that when I walk into my apartment after I've been in the house, you know, for a week, I'll walk in the apartment. I'll be like, ah. Finally, you know, my time. Uh, you know. <laughs> and then as soon as I walk back in the house a week later, I'm like, oh, yay, you know, my boys, yay, you know, I get to be with them and do all this stuff for them. And so, um, so yeah, it's kind of a homecoming either way. 
Yeah. What was like the transition like from having your children all of the time to not having them and kind of turning off that or do you turn off that parenting mode? Does something happen inside? Uh, it That is a challenge. And no, I wouldn't say it's ever turned off. You can kind of, you know, mute it a little bit. And I must say too, it helps a lot that I'm totally comfortable with Bill's ability to parent them on his yes. own. So um, if there was something that I was worrying, you know, like, is he going to have that you know, the house homework done or is he going to, yeah, whatever. You know, and it was a little bit of an issue at first as we were getting divorced and figuring out the nesting that we had, you know, a number of conversations about like rules that we were going to have for each other about behavior. And now it just seems silly because either of us would do dumb stuff like that. Um, so it, it was different for sure not to see them every day. Um, but because of, I don't know if this is because of the nesting, but just maybe because of our, the type of work that we each do, I'm a freelance writer. So I'm, you know, work from home or from my apartment and much more flexible. So I often am the one that, you know, fills on a call for work or has to go to some meeting, I'll pick the kids up from school. Or if there's a doctor's appointment, I'll take them to the doctor's appointment. So even if I'm technically, you know, not with them for a week, I probably see them about every day. (laughs) Yeah, nice. Which is nice. And we certainly had, you know, at first it was always calls every night to say goodnight and, you know, just kind of routines that we set up to, so the kids knew what, you know, how often they were going to hear from us while we were not in the house with them. But was that like a heartbreak? You know, I, I think I was afraid it was going to be, but they always sounded so happy when I would talk to them, you know, that, that it wasn't really a, you know, I think if I'd called and they'd been like, oh, mommy, we missed you so, you know, but they were like, okay. But you know what's amazing? It didn't, it didn't break your heart that they didn't miss you. Do you know what I'm saying? You could go either direction. You could go either direction. That would be very healthy mother. Right. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm getting like so many parenting tips. This is just getting oh. exciting. It better happen for me because I'm learning a lot. Okay, that's good. Well, I'm happy to talk to you anytime. You know what's interesting to me is that I feel like this Bill is, he's been in your life since you were 22. Mm-hmm. Because of the nesting, you're right, it keeps you closer together because also mm-hmm. there's like this. I imagine like this shared financial responsibility, a lot of times after a divorce that goes away. So it's not the thing that binds you. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you'll have this connection your whole life. So it's like people have that, Mm -hmm. they don't talk to the other person, but they're still in their life. They still plan through text messages, but they don't nurture it. So it's not something to be, I don't know, to to be proud or to feel like it's something that's there, but it seems like you're still nurturing this relationship. That's a nice word to use. I hadn't really thought of that. And um, as I mentioned, you in an email we had that um bill came to thanksgiving at my family's house this year and i felt like that was a nurturing kind of thing for the whole family not only you know bill and me but for my mother and sister and nieces and nephews and um and the man i'm dating and then of course for the kids to see that i felt like that was a really nice step in our relationship our new relationship whatever (laughs) it's evolving i know it it kind of brought me to tears i thought it was so great because it also reminded me of a letter that I had received the year prior for my advice column. And this woman had written in and she was saying that her sister, you know, had died. It was the first holiday without her. And the sister's husband was already dating someone new. So they were really upset with him. And her husband did not want her to go mm-hmm. to this Thanksgiving because he didn't like the mm-hmm. sister's husband. 
Mm-hmm. And it was like this whole thing. And I just, you know, there was that, like the tension and the drama and, mm-hmm. you know, the, I don't know, in a way it was like the ego of this husband to make it all mm-hmm. about him. And then I read your story a year later and I was like, wow, see, like, mm-hmm. you know, that's funny. Cause I think that was the first of your podcasts I listened to, or one of the very early ones was, um, that one where you were addressing that letter. And I remember, you know, I thought you said it so well that, you know, she had lost her sister and was mourning her sister. And that her husband was, you know, making it about him was just so selfish. And and I thought, yeah, really interesting. Yeah, Yeah, that is interesting. So what does the business look like for you that you created, that you're a founder of? Well, you know, I I guess I hesitate to call it a business because um, at this point, I'm just sharing information with people. Um, There's an email list they can subscribe to. And I'm sending out just sort of, you know, tips about nesting or examples of how we've done things. I'm hoping to write a book about it. So working on, you know, trying to find an agent and a publisher for that. At this point, I would just love to connect with people. And as I said, help them think through if it's a possibility for them. So how would you talk to the people that said, you guys are rich? How dare you? This is like so privileged. <laughs> Three households. I mean, people were going nuts. I know they were. Um, and you know, what's funny is then there are also people who comment, you know, that they were doing it there. And so I've, I've reached out to those people, you know, who lived in New York City and, and are making it work. And so I think it's just, you know, however um, creative you're willing to be or what sort of sacrifices, because sure, there are some sacrifices, you know, I'm not jetting off to Paris every year. Um, not that I would have. But one can hope. But it's right, exactly. But it's certainly been you know, a a financial challenge, except Bill and I continue to, you know, we kind of revisit how we're dividing things up every, you know, year or so. And um, what we kind of base our choices around is, okay, well, let's imagine if we had two separate houses, what would that be costing us, you know, as a family and the duplicating the kids stuff between the two houses. And, and even, and actually now Bill travels so much for work that he doesn't have a second apartment. He just travels or he's at the house. And so I, come into the house whenever he needs to travel. Um, And, you know, that kind of saves him money. He doesn't have to have somebody come and, you know, take care of whatever, the dog or the yard. And um, if there's some, you know, maintenance, I'm there taking care of it. And so there's some stuff you can't really put a dollar, you know, a dollar amount on. It's just sort of making life a little bit easier for both of us. Yeah, it's really amazing that he's ended up traveling so much that he doesn't even need his place. Yeah, yeah. And that's unexpected. I mean, is it's a totally different job than what he had when we got divorced. And so um, so that was an evolution too. You know, for a while he was renting his own apartment and and then was getting stressed out about the money, you know, understandably. And so we were kind of, you know, revisiting that whole thing. And then it was kind of like we realized, you know, one day he was like, you know, the past two months, I haven't even been to that apartment because I'm traveling so much. Like, why am I even keeping that? And like, I don't, I don't know. That's why, why don't we just not have it anymore? So yeah, it's interesting how it evolves and who knows what'll happen next. After a divorce, do you feel like you're willing to let go of attachments sooner? Mm, I mean, my gut reaction to that is no. I think I like gut reactions. Okay. Yeah. My, no, I think that my thought about attachments is I actually give them a lot more value than I used to. Mm -hmm. And 
probably put more effort into it. I'm not sure why exactly, but I think because of, I guess, probably because of going through a divorce, you see how you let down that attachment through the years, you know, how you failed it. Um, I mean, both both of us, um, but we're equally, you know, at fault in that. And so now any opportunity I have to really, what I feel have a genuine connection with somebody is really valuable to me. Right. Are you at fault for it? Is it something that broke down that could have been, I don't know what the word is, not necessarily fixed, but recoverable? Or is it just between Bill and me? Yeah. I can honestly say no, because we tried repeatedly through the years. I mean, even before we had kids, we were going to therapy over stuff. And then, you know, kids kind of make you think it's all going to be okay, or you're so busy. And then there were a few times of really putting some effort into it. And or at least I felt I was putting effort into it, and it wasn't getting better. And so then there's just a point where it's done. Hmm. And now I feel that our relationship is so much better and you hear that when we married that um wow it doesn't even cross my mind to you know, I don't know, to miss the way it used to be because this is so much better. Right. When I hear that, I've always thought like, so does it make you want to fall back in love? But is that not a feeling at all? No. I mean, <laughs> that's, yeah, no. No, I mean, I don't mean to, you know, sound disparaging, but no, that's just done. Um, yeah. But there's a great, you know, still a type of love and fondness. But um, no, I I know it's kind of interesting to me, you know, to go through the divorce thing is it really does make me wonder, you know, how do people, (laughs) could people change so much? And, you know, and I know so many people who just stay in unhappy marriages. And that's so sad to me. Um, What was your question? Like, how do people what? How do they live with that? I guess that just the marriage not being a wonderful thing in their lives. You know what? Because people convince themselves. And I think that, you know, I think nostalgia plays a role. I think there's bursts of moments that you hold on to and you magnify. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's fear, you know, there's fear of not being able to find what you're looking for. Yeah, that's good point and it is scary you know sometimes i've said i said to my dad when i was in town for thanksgiving i was like well maybe this is why god gave you twins (laughs) which is horrible it's not good (laughs) he's like yeah but i'd prefer a stronger partner no i don't want to even get into that but but like i think that could be what happens is and i'm not saying it's a good solution at all but the kids end up being replacing certain things right so if you wanted your Mm -hmm. partner to be more adventurous you turn your kids into adventurous Mm -hmm. people or they have Mm -hmm. no choice so now you have that sidekick yeah i don't know though i have to say that i remember when i was young and you know my dad saying they were going to get a divorce and i remember my twin sister begging for it to happen while they're in the car Mm -hmm. and i remember my dad pulling out putting stuff in the car. And I said, I was going to kill myself if they got divorced. Mm -hmm. And I always felt very proud that they sided with me. Uh As I've gotten older, my sister says that she remembers more sadness and anger when she was young about it. And yet I feel a little bit more sad about it now because I feel like I have this adult mind that realizes the things that you, that you forfeit or, you know, even just for yourself, like the, how you Mm -hmm. could kind of die inside. As an adult, I see what's happened from choices. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even being a breakup coach, I never thought I would soften around the idea of divorce. But then Mm -hmm. having this podcast and before the Spotlight series, so many people that resonated with my message were not Mm -hmm. really young people (laughs) that we've gone through breakups. A lot of like the real strength in the message was coming from people that have been divorced. Mm -hmm. I've softened around my my thoughts about it. I really have. Mm -hmm. 
That's interesting. And I think that is good. And I think, you know, there's this stigma about divorce that, and it's a big, scary decision. And I think that sometimes people look at it as, you know, taking the easy way out or um, giving up. And gosh, for me, it just felt like a new commitment to myself and, um, and to my family even. Yeah, because I feel like you got out at a time when you hadn't given up on yourself. So that's why you can feel mm-hmm. like it's a new commitment to the family. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're reviving yourself before you're dead. I say, maybe the better thing to do is forget about like the broken home. Like don't become the broken person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, is it worse to have like a broken person inside of a broken home? No, that's a great way to phrase it. I totally agree. And that's what makes me sad, I guess, is yeah, thinking about the people who think that they're helping their kids by staying a broken person in a broken relationship. And I just don't think that's necessarily true. And I think that if you're going to do it, if you're going to stay, a way that you can support or do something for your kids with it is somehow to individually talk to them about the reason for staying and what you would encourage. Mm -hmm. I think that there has to be some sort of awareness that Mm -hmm. you might see the way that I look at my husband or just Mm -hmm. something. But again, you know, then at the same time, it's it's hard for some people that don't want to be that aware of the pain that they're feeling and what, again, what Mm -hmm. they're forfeiting. So how do they even talk about it if they won't really acknowledge it to themselves. Yeah, right. But I think that's a good point about being open with kids. And a lot of people are afraid to do that, or it's, you know, different than how we grew up. And um, I mean, I think that's one of the greatest gifts you can give to them is just be honest about what you're going through or what you're thinking. And, you know, of course, you know, letting them know that you have their well-being in mind, but, you know, that you're a human being and you're struggling with stuff too and that that's okay. Biggest thing for me has been growing up with a father that would talk openly about life. Yeah, that's great. And so I I personally, I don't know if it's just my personality and and maybe having someone like that brought that out in my personality, but I really believe that having, like, I can't fathom being around a dinner table with family and then not talking out loud, like talking their thoughts out loud, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just um, having like a conversation for appearances, but not really connecting. Yeah. And yet it happens. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, sadly. And I do think, you know, that's something like with this nesting thing or or how our relationship has evolved between Bill and me is that I love the conversations we have with the kids now. And I think it's because we both are now our own people instead of just everything kind of, you know, being, I don't know, like triangulated off of our sort of broken relationship. And now I feel like we so much more fully focus on the conversation that we're in with them or on them or even to talk about ourselves, but it's just different and it's really nice. That's such a good point. You know, I can imagine, let's say that there's resentment building between you and your spouse. You know, the conversation is going to feel different. It's going to sound different. It's the the length of it will be different. And I think, you know, kids absorb that. Right. To have gotten out of that and to be rebuilding something even, it just brings a whole new energy. And, you know, we live inside the conversations that we have. Conversations Mm -hmm. carry us in life. So if you're getting this vibe from your parents and their conversations, like that's a weight you carry. And I think the decision that you made and and how it has, like you've said, evolved, it just, it, it does something different for their spirit. It has to. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, it's interesting to me to see the three boys. Um, there's seven years difference between the three of them. And so between the oldest and the youngest. And so um, you know, they were at very different stages in their lives as the divorce happened. And, and the youngest who's really grown up and he was five when we divorced. So I don't know if he really, really remembers much before that. 
you know, they're just different personalities, but I can't help but sometimes think like, oh, I wonder if that's because, you know, the oldest, he had a different experience than, you know, the middle one or the younger one did. I always think about that. Yeah. And, you know, I guess even if you're married, you're still thinking about that. And, and it's just part of um, siblings, but it's, it's interesting to see. Yeah, they have to. Okay, so you write a book and then the kids write a book. And you oh, write that's a good idea. <laughs> Really, seriously, like, I mean, that would be good. A child's perspective on nesting, like, what a better testimonial. And either way, we need the children's testimonial. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I think, well, I I think I say in that Psychology Today article that um, right now, at least, you know, they're teenagers and pre-teenagers and they are so, you know, (laughs) oblivious to our efforts and don't even, you know, really give it two seconds thought, which is nice. You know, it's nice that they don't have to think about it, but um, but it's just kind of funny that, you know, it's not like they would say, wow, this is great, mom. <laughs> it's so That's nice really- to do this. <laughs> But I wonder what's going on in like the cafeteria or like they talking like seriously, like I wonder if there's there's this discussion about, well, your parents did this and my parents did this. And yeah, yeah, I think, you know, I think it comes up in in passing some. I think that um, I remember my therapist saying to me, she's like, well, you know, they're kids. They're probably not giving it much thought now. But she's like, I'm telling you, when they get away to college and they're sitting around talking with their college friends about how they grew up and they say something about you guys being divorced, but they stayed in the house. she's like they're going to be shocked at how people react to that who had a different experience oh yeah you know when they hit college and they've got to write personal essays and all this stuff that's when it's going to start yeah of course it's probably not until they have kids of their own will it really (laughs) really sink in (laughs) right right but you know what's so interesting is that in a way it's something to look forward to like who knows like that will be something that probably yeah comes up and it's like it's almost like a study that you're going to be able to observe. Right. I mean, and live. <laughs> and live. Yeah. Very much live. But no, I agree. Like, I can't wait to have a real conversation with them about this. You know, not that I'm holding back. It's just, you know, the middle of time with them. You know, yeah. 14. <laughs> He's not going to talk about that with me, but, um, but someday they will. And, um, and it will be interesting. And I'm sure there's probably stuff that I don't even think about that to them is a big deal. Right. Annoyed them or whatever, you know, but, um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to those conversations. What does it mean to break upward? Well, this sounds vain, but I would say like exactly what I did. I feel like I took a bad situation and I am so much happier and so much myself. And I feel like all the energy I give out now is really what I want it to be and benefits the people around me, hopefully. Mm. <laughs> no, I believe it does. It does. Definitively. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for answering every question. <laughs> You're welcome. You had very good questions. I enjoyed them. Oh, good. <laughs> you know, I, I, when I emailed you originally, I posted about you on my Facebook. I'm like, oh. I asked this woman. She hasn't said anything yet. I need to <laughs> share her with you guys. So I'm so happy that I got a yes. Oh, that's cool. Well, I'm excited to hear, you know, um, what sort of feedback you get or people want to get in touch with me. If they go to that website, there's my email and stuff. Um, yeah, tell us where they can find you. Oh, it's familynesting.org. And on Instagram, it's my name, Beth Barrent, B-E-T-H-B-E-H-R-E-N-D-T. And so, yeah, I'd love to hear from people. Absolutely. I'm going to link the articles as well. Okay, thanks. Thank you so much for everything and enjoy the, you know, the Christmas decorations.
If this episode resonated with you, it would mean the absolute world if you could pass it on and let other people know about it. How you can support this podcast is really just sharing it, telling people about it. If you know someone that's hurting in their heart, tell them about Thank You Heartbreak. And if you want to be a guest on Thank You Heartbreak, reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at Thank You Heartbreak, or you can email me directly at Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, at BreakUpward, B-R-E-A-K-U-P-W-A-R-D, Com. And if you're interested in one-on-one coaching sessions, you can visit my website breakupward.com shop where you can check out directly from my site. It's a super, 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 super simple process. Of course, I will answer any of your questions before you book. And again, you can email me at chelsea at breakupward.com. There's many different coaching options and I would love to show up for you as you begin to show up in more wise and clarifying and secure ways for yourself. Thanks for listening, everyone.